Before we get started on this episode of Keeping Up With Kafkas, I'd like to make a statement that this is the opinion of my guest and not that of the council. G'day guys and welcome to another series of our Keeping Up With Kafkas podcast. This is episode 5 and as I assured you in the last episode, we will have a special guest. She's a mother, a public servant. I've only met her two or three times, I think at the cafe one time, and I found her very interesting. And most important, what I think you guys will find is that she's genuine, down to earth, and I think you guys will love her. So introducing Miss Athena Pasco-Bell. How are you, Athena? Good, how are you? Good, thank you for doing this on, uh, you know, pretty short notice, really. No, that's fine. (laughs) I don't mind talking. So thank you. That's quite all right. I'm uh, fairly responsive to most people, so if anyone has anything they want to ask, anytime. Oh, perfect. All right. We'll get your details towards the end as well mm-hmm. so they can contact you. All right. Let's get into it. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? And tell us a little bit about your background. Okay. So I was born in Wollongong in New South Wales, yep. and I lived there till I was about 13. Um, then I moved to country South Australia. I finished high school in country South Australia, and that's where I met my husband. Um, that's Shane Pasco Bell. Shane Pasco Bell. Yep. Um, Shane works for Careflight. Um, oh wow! If, if anyone was interested, yeah, maybe not. But hey. um, I went to university in South Australia. Yep. Um, studied uh, environmental management at the University of Adelaide. Um, Shane was already in the army when I met him uh, when I was in Year Twelve, and he'd been posted uh, to Sydney by the time I'd finished university, and I headed over to New South Wales, into Sydney then. So we were in Sydney then for seven years um, before we decided to move to Darwin. Um, And that was basically the result of not liking life in Sydney. And um, one afternoon we had a very nasty drive-by shooting in our suburb. Oh, wow, yeah. um, And decided that Sydney life was definitely not for us. So um, we'd been to Darwin once before. Um, Shane had been posted to Timor, uh, deployed to Timor. Okay, deployed, yeah, forward, yeah, yeah. Um, and he had a week's R and R. So I flew up to Darwin to catch up with him. And after that one trip, we decided that, yep, after that drive-by shooting, Darwin's the place that we were going to move to. Make home, absolutely. Yep. And so that's a total. You've been about eleven years here, is it? Being here eleven years. Yep. So Shane um, transferred up to Darwin with the army, and soon after we got here and he'd started work in the army, decided that he'd had enough of life in the army and discharged and we bought our house here in Marlow Lagoon about three months after we'd moved here. And what made you specifically come to Marlow's? I think you you were mentioning you wanted a bigger block of land. Yeah, we were looking for a five acre block and we were looking extensively in the rural area but we just couldn't find the house that had what we wanted. Um, then this one just suddenly popped up one evening um, on the internet. It had everything we wanted. The only thing that was missing was a shed. Um, and it wasn't five acres, it was only one. But, you know, summing everything up, I think this was the place for us. Yeah, perfect. What do you currently do at the moment? What do I currently do? I work as the Spatial Systems Development Manager at the Department of Land Resource Management. The what? Sorry? <laughs> Spatial Systems development manager okay so we I've been in the department for about 11 years now in all of its different forms Um, 
and I basically manage the development of some of our business systems, which include spatial components, which spatial means the geography, geographic information. Okay. okay. Um, so we have over the years started from virtually nothing. Um, I did start work at Department of Lands yeah. um, in the Land Information System Group. And when I moved over to Palmerston, um, they had an Oracle server which they provided to the department. It was basically mine to do as I pleased with. Okay. So over that 11 years or so now, we've now got around 20 business systems that we've built specifically on an Oracle platform um, with cool. a web interface. So yeah. it, as far as government information goes, it's a lot more accessible for our own staff. Yeah. Um, makes things a lot more efficient. Everything's sort of centralised, if you like, um, but accessible to people across the NT as far as the government employees go. So quite well, a bit of work, and I've been on yeah. that leave for three years, so if you take away that time... <laughs> oh, wow. It's um, quite a bit of effort has gone into designing how things are working and how um, different databases interact. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier when we were having a brief conversation, you mentioned um, that you were really good at... Keeping under budget or... Yeah, so in New South Wales, yeah. I was also in the public service. I worked as a data analyst at an organisation in government, which is now called the Bureau of Transport Statistics. Okay, gotcha. Right. Yep. I absolutely, absolutely loved that job. It was just number crunching and finding out all sorts of, you know, interesting information about travel and um, why people were travelling in and around the Greater Sydney area. Yeah, awesome. So, you know, why people yep. were taking trips, what time of day, what days, um, what mode of transport they were taking, and I absolutely loved it, but Sydney wasn't for us. Um, and just prior to that, I was working as a consultant for the New South Wales government. Yep. Um, they were quite happy with the work I was doing because it was on time and under budget. Well, there you go. Safe to say that you're a very qualified person. Yeah, what made you create the Residents Against Rate Changes group on Facebook? Okay, so it was about 12 months ago, maybe a little bit less, when the Palmerston Council announced that they were changing their rating strategy. Um, and just on the outside of it, we were finding it very difficult to get information from the council about why they were necessitating these changes, um, how they deemed that it was equitable and fair distribution of rates. Because before, it was tallied by your block size or UCV? No, it no. was based no. just on a flat rate for all of Palmerston. Everyone, Perfect. Everyone paid the same. Perfect. Before it was a flat rate. Perfect. And what did we start to hear about a year ago? Um, that they were moving to unimproved capital value based rating system and that it was a fair and equitable change. So that means if I had an 800 square metre block mm -hmm. um, and you had a five acre block as an example, we were paying the same rates, but out of pretty much nowhere, they sort of said, no, now it's going to go on the size of your land. Well, the land value. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah. Yep. Based on the, okay. On the unimproved capital value. Which, again, I think other people have done it around Australia, but... It's, uh, yeah, it is quite a common system yeah. that other um, jurisdictions use. Um, but then you have a, a good look at some of the research and information that's been put out there and you can find evidence of other councils now thinking that it's probably not the most equitable yeah. uh, move. Um, I think it was Waverley Council had uh, requested UTS, so University of Technology Sydney, to undertake a study. They were finding that a $2 million penthouse yeah. was paying absolute minimum rates because of the land value 
on a multi-storey complex with this massive penthouse on the top that's yes. so small. So a $2.2 million penthouse was paying minimum rates, but a, an old house on a piece of land that was worth $2.2 million was paying like absolute maximum rates, yeah, yeah. and this is in the one municipality. So, so that was you know one example of a council now looking for a more progressive tax system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. In Tasmania, there's Brighton Council that recently, so it was only about five years ago, I think, moved to a flat rate after um, the um, Tasmanian government spent five years yep. um, and hired a consultant to evaluate a number of rating strategies yep. across the country and provided a report um, to the Tasmanian government. Um, Brighton Council in Tasmania then moved to a flat rate, which was what we had. At the time, it was hailed as being a unique tax system, but right. I think we right. actually had it first here in Palmerston. Um, you know, there's arguments for and against flat rate unimproved capital yep. and then there's another one which people are probably not aware of which is improved capital okay so the improved capital yep. value actually provides a better indication of someone's ability to pay because that includes the value of the house okay awesome so right if you look at marlow lagoon yeah the cheapest houses sell for less than six hundred thousand correct correct um but they'll be paying two and a half thousand dollars in rates you okay. could go to somewhere like gun or durac and get a nice property on waterfront yeah lakefront lakefront um worth over a million dollars and they'd be paying a lot less, less in rates so i don't think the unimproved capital value is the most equitable way yeah you know you you're doing your current job you've created this uh, uh, facebook group to just keep residents abreast of what's going on mm -hmm. and by you just being awesome and just being genuine um what made you decide to be an alderman what made you decide to go for that role? Well, we loved you, you know, that's us. But yeah, yeah. I was so reluctant to do it. Really, really yeah. reluctant. Yeah. Um, just hearing um, what other people have said about the council. Yep. Um, and some of the things that go on, I was extremely hesitant to do it. So I spoke with a number of people at work and yeah. friends, and they were like, if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Um, but the more I kept thinking about it and with encouragement from close friends and my husband, I decided that I would put my hand up in the end. It definitely wasn't something I'd ever planned to do. I yeah. really don't like getting involved in politics. Um, but I thought for the benefit of the community, yeah, somebody that's... had to stand in. Okay, so you decided to do that, you know, like an election. Yeah, a by-election. By-election, thank you. Yeah. I'm not too clued on these things, people. And... You, 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 you outgunned everyone. We could see how genuine you were. You wanted to let the community know what's going on at all times. So tell us, what's it like being an alderman? What's it like? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It can be quite challenging, um, but I, I do think it's a good thing to have done. Yeah, okay, good. Um, you don't regret it. Uh, there's moments when I think, why am I doing this? Yeah, of course. You know, do I need to put up with this sort of rubbish? Do I need to put up with these sorts of behaviours? Um, you know, I'm there to do a job. Yep. So there's things there that go on and I just think, well, I, I'm here to do a job, so yep. I'm just going to keep pushing on. Good work, good work. I want to talk from an outside perspective. Um, you know, yesterday, you don't know about this, but uh, I, I did the episode 
uh, episode four where I gave donkey of the week. I give someone donkey of the week for the mm-hmm. credit they deserve for being stupid or silly. It's not a negative thing. It's just something to bring to the attention of the community. And uh, donkey of the week went to the Palmerston Council because of the land Archerfield mm-hmm. debacle with, you know, where they, correct me if I'm wrong here, it, where they sort of uh, allocated $4 million and because of a surveyor now it's about $10 million and we're worried about the, the, the spending that's going on in there. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, it is very concerning. It's part of the reason I stood up to run. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the city's reserves are what keeps the city sustainable. Um, it's how the city protects itself from sudden rate impact yep. when unexpected costs come about. Um, I'm not sure that the other elected members agree with my position on that, but I think that is generally the position of good governance and good business management, is that you have a reserve there, um, or a float, if you like, to make sure that you're always um, able to meet your um, liabilities. So yes, it has come as a bit of a shock, um, and it was part of the reason that I did not think undertaking the boulevard stage two construction was a feasible thing to do at this point in time. Um, I did vote against it um, and the reason really was towards financial sustainability. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, At that point we were not aware of the unexpected costs at the landfill site so that came after um, the council decided to push ahead with that project. Yeah, okay, I see. So I guess I tend to err on the side of caution. Um, That's my position. Yeah. You know, someone thinking, you know what, I want to jump in there with, I think we've got a by-election coming up again, is that correct? Or an election next year? Uh, It'll be a general local government election. Local government election. You know, someone that may want to maybe get in there and maybe support you or support, you know, your caution cause, maybe have similar thinking to you. I think it's just... Um, people that have good business sense, yep. um, possibly people that are experienced working on different boards um, and have a genuine passion for um, seeing the city progress but doing yep. it sustainably. And what kind of, just roughly in, in a snapshot of course, the hours that, you the know, hours, you, yeah. It, look, it is quite a bit of effort. Um, we are required to attend four meetings a month, so two council okay. meetings, two committee meetings. But there's always background preparation, so we get given agendas about four days before the meetings. Yep. They can be hundreds of pages long, Okay. Um, and you really do need to spend the time reading them to understand um, the information that the staff are providing to you, um, so that you can ask questions if yep. there's things that don't make sense, or something has been missed, or there's another concern that you have, um, basically so that you can make an informed decision. Of course. Um, so yeah there is that there's also a number of workshops especially this time of year we're doing um, budget preparation trying to work out what the rate should be for the coming year hope they're not going to increase them (laughs) what the long term financial plan is Um, so you know you are required to do more than just that and then there's always community events and things so you try and get along to as many of those as you can Um, I've I do tend to struggle a bit with two kids. Yes, yeah. Um, and a lot of the time I prefer not to involve my kids in public activities. Yep. 
Um, I will take them to things, but only if my husband's with me. Guys, there you go. Um, I think you've gathered from our quick conversation today that Athena is an absolute legend of what she does. She's, um, you know, warm-hearted and she's a genuine person and, and that's what we love about you. And, you know, I thank you for your time today. But before we go, I've got a few questions. They're a bit of fun questions, mm-hmm. turned out. So are you ready? Yep. Okay. What's the first thing that pops into your mind when I say Palmerston Council? A comment. Very good. All right, and these are just some quick yes-no questions. Don't mind if you elaborate on them a little bit. Uh-huh. Again, we're just going to have some fun with it. Have you ever lived in a donger? No. Do you know what the term long grasser means? Yes. <laughs> have you ever heard of the Punciana lady or woman? No. You're going to have to tell me that. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that off, off air. Because everyone has their own sort of different version. You know, I've got my East Point version out uh, at, at East Point. But mm-hmm. okay. Okay. We'll talk more about that. Uh, have you ever eaten a green ant's bum? No. You should try it. Tempting as they are, no. You should try it. Do you have at least two dogs or have had? Uh, we used to. We had a dingo and a dog. Oh, awesome. You used to have a dingo? We used to have a dingo. Oh, Jill Pascoe's going to love you. Yes. <laughs> I love Jill Pascoe's dingoes too. Uh, have you had a salty plum before? Yes. And actually, my mum used to run a continental deli, so we had all sorts of things. Salted licorice, salted plums. Okay. Lots of continental stuff. Have you ever caught or killed a feral pig? No. Have you ever been in the NT News? A few times. Is your beer fridge bigger than your food fridge? No. I think my husband would like it to be, but no. <laughs> Have you ever chucked a sickie to go fishing? No. <laughs> Have you ever used gammon in a sentence? No. <laughs> Sorry, no, Pete. No. I have not used gammon. <laughs> Do you think it's perfectly acceptable for a man to marry his buffalo and would you go to the wedding? No. <laughs> Don't think so. Athena, high five. Thank you so much. You've been an absolute (laughs) legend. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. All right. Donkey of the week for the second week of May goes to former Commissioner John Ringland McRoberts. Now, recently, the former NT Police Commissioner has been charged with attempting to pervert the course of justice in relation to a police investigation into the disgraced travel agent and former Crime Stoppers Chair Xana Kamitsis. Now the reason he's getting Donkey of the Week is because the NT Police do such a fantastic job in and around the community. They're often working you know, long hours and, and they really do a great job. However, it only takes a few to spoil it for the rest of them. And I get it, people think there's bigger fish to fry in this situation, but let the courts do what they need to do. But in this case, give former police commissioner John McRoberts the biggest hee-haw for attempting to pervert the course of justice. That's a pretty big hee-haw. Okay, once again, guys, thanks so much for listening and we look forward to bringing you our next episode. He is the owner of Realistic Fuse Photography and he's going to talk about how he took a local business and is now taking it nationally around Australia. That's just a snippet of what you're going to hear our man Troy talk about. Okay, guys, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week for the next episode.